Hello, everyone. This is Tulsi here. Thanks so much for taking the time to join me here on the show. If you would like to support this show and the content that we're creating as we take a stand for freedom and speak truth and speak with some common sense during these insane times, please visit TulsiGabbard.com and click on the support button. Uh, The only way that we're able to produce this show is through support from listeners and viewers just like you. Again, visit TulsiGabbard.com and click support. Aloha. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you think there should be a Department of Education? Hell no. Zero government. What, what Does government have a role in education? Zero percent. That is a wildly education. All education is self-education. When we talk about the education of our children, it's hard to understate how important that really is, how important it is for them, for our kids, how important it is for families, how important it is for our society. But very rarely do you ever hear anyone asking the question of what is true education? What's the difference between school versus education? And are we as a country providing a truly quality education for our kids? I think these are such important questions to ask at a time when our outcomes of our education system in this country are bleak at best. We have a huge number of kids who are graduating from high school functionally illiterate, having a difficult time with basic reading and writing. We have kids who don't understand basic civics, how government works, how our democracy in this society works, why it's important to participate in it, not having an understanding or even knowing what the Constitution is and what the Bill of Rights says and why it is integral and important to every one of us as Americans. It goes back to this core question of what is education and what are we as a society placing importance on as we're talking about educating our children and setting them up for success in their lives. My conversation with today's guest, Matt Boudreau, was fascinating and gets to the heart of these very questions. If we claim to care about our children and their futures, then we have to get to the root cause of the problem with the education system in this country. Thank you for doing this. You know, I, I was as as I was getting ready to talk to you, I was trying to remember how um, how I got to know who you are, and I, I like I don't I, I we were not mutually introduced, and I don't know if it was like the Instagram people sending your content my way or what it was, but all I do remember is seeing the things that you were posting on Instagram. I think the first one was having to do with uh, college higher education. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you want to call it that, and how basically it's just a a racket. <laughs> it's a for, it. for profit racket. I was like, oh my gosh, That's about <laughs> I agree it. completely. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yeah, and you know what? And I think it was. I think through it was through Instagram, and I think 
Patrick Bet David had sent me something via Instagram saying, "Hey, why are you and Tulsi not chatting or something?" Uh, and I think okay. I commented there, and I think it was something something on that. Because, You're right. Yeah, yeah, and he's one of those guys too that I've had you know this conversation with openly yeah. over and over again, going do you care when you're yeah. hiring somebody? And he's like, actually, I kind of prefer that they don't. And I'm going, yep, Interesting. I get it. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So he's not the only one. So, yeah. So I, 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 I've been looking forward to talking to you for, for this reason is because That's you're nice. saying a lot of things. You know, I know you... You ha give a lot of speeches publicly and you put out a lot of interesting um, and truthful commentary online. I know you're in in education uh, mm. as well. You've started some schools. You, you do a lot of different things. Uh, but what I appreciate is that, you know, you bring a voice of common sense and truth that is not often heard, especially around education, which is it seems to be one of these kind of untouchable topics where you know if you attack education you're attacking kids right and i i know this very well coming from the political uh, realm yeah, yeah. of having been in congress for eight years serving in the state legislature as well as the city council here in hawaii but also working with some nonprofits around education and different yeah. uh, in different respects but for me you know i this isn't something that i came to realize later on i was homeschooled fourth of five kids and um, my parents are teachers by by trade and training. They, after college, they moved to American Samoa. My dad was the assistant dean of the community college. Mom was a special ed. Uh, she was a, a speech therapist, and she was working with with uh, special needs kids there in American Samoa. Fast forward, moved here to Hawaii. I was two years old. Um, long story short, they made the decision to educate us at home because they understand the value of true education. And for them, you know, I mean, this was back in the day when homeschooling wasn't very popular or, or even accepted. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a, it was, a, it was considered a, a unusual at best. For and, sure. you know, there, there were times like we were not allowed to leave the house to go and play in the park until after two o'clock or whatever, because cops might, you know, try to pick us up for skipping school and right. just all this kind of stuff. But it really, um, you know, I, I remain so grateful to them mm -hmm. for that because I experienced a kind of freedom to learn and live as a kid that, you know, I know many of my friends just didn't have what to speak of a lot of the, like, I can't even imagine going to school right now dealing with the social pressures of social media and bullying and image and just like all this stuff we're seeing. It's, it, it's terrifying actually it to think it about. Terrifying. It is terrifying. And, you know, we, all of that, we all agree that that is present. We agree that there's, you know, there are agendas playing out. We agree that bullying is at an all-time high. We agree that there are so many amazing young people, but they are broken and they are questioning things that they should never be questioning. They are dealing with issues they should never be dealing with. And yet we are sending our children into that environment and saying, well, that's what socialization looks like, mm -hmm. right? And it's rooted in this fear. You know, you talked about your parents and God bless them. That's fantastic. You know, making that decision, especially when it was so hard to do that. Yeah. And we got so many parents though, that are so afraid of doing anything different, mm -hmm. you know, and you said the key word, you said freedom, you were grateful for the freedom that you had. 
And one of the things that I talk to parents about is that I talk to them about the fact that you're born into this kind of cult mentality. We were born into, well, this is just what everybody does in right. school. Right. And so to look outside of that, it's that whole concept of birds, you know, born in a cage thing, flying is an illness mm. sort of thing. So you see these people flying in freedom, but it's like, oh, there's something wrong with them. Yeah, right. right? <laughs> but what should education be for? What should education really be for? Well, it should yeah. be for that freedom. Mm-hmm. It should be to understand how I pick up the pen and how I write the story of my life. Mm-hmm. And I write myself as the giving, valiant, charitable, character-driven, purpose-driven hero. And, and then I bring my kids up in that exact same sort. Like, that's what it should be for. But we don't stop to ask the question, what should education be for? We just assume that school and education are the same. Yeah. And they're not. And you also said, when you speak out against it, people think you're speaking out against kids. And that's so far from the truth. And people also think if you speak out against the system that you're speaking out against teachers. And I always want to make that clear. I was a public school teacher. I still have so many dear friends that are teachers and administrators and I love them. I support them. We need great humans in that system still, but it doesn't mean we have to support the system itself. And so I always want to, you know, make that clear. Yeah. It is, um, as, as you were talking, it's, it's, it's just bringing back memories of, of my yeah. childhood and growing up and, and exactly that, like telling, you know, telling people, oh yeah, you know, people here in Hawaii, when you ask people, where did you go to school? They're, they're not asking about college. They're yeah. asking about where you went to high school. It's high kind school. of, because that's, that's the, that's the icebreaker often. Cause yeah. once you say like, oh, I went here, I went there. It's like, oh yeah, I know your cousin or my cousin, this, or your right. classmate, this, right. that, right. It's like the common icebreaker. And yeah. for so <laughs> long, People say, oh, where'd you go to school? I was like, oh, I was homeschooled. They're like, oh. How do we talk to you? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yeah. Like, like well, what do we have in common? <laughs> yeah, shoot. Then you, like, did you I'm have friends? Like, like, did you have friends growing up? Or what? <laughs> like, like I was somehow some like harmed child who went through this. And it, it's, it's, it was, and, and it always made me kind of laugh because, you know, as I was thinking about, as I was thinking about, um, you know, approaching graduating from high school, um, you know, I graduated through a, a correspondence course that I did at home and went to in, in Hawaii. But I don't even know if this is still the rule now, but back then, um, you know, we had to go either turn in standardized tests every so often just so the school right. could track like, OK, you are actually getting some kind of education. Mm-hmm. And as I was approaching the end of high school and I took the SATs and went in and saw like the high school college counselor just to learn and yeah. see like, OK, like what options do I have and this and that. She looked in particular at my, um, I guess, whatever the reading, the the, the okay. English reading, writing yeah. portion of the SAT. And um, she was just blown away. She's like, you were homeschooled? I said, yeah. It's like, how in the world is your score so high? It's like, I like to read. I read Isn't a lot that- of books. Yeah, right? <laughs> she was like, just oh, like mind blown. Yeah. Like the way all educated people from the past did. We, you know, you may not agree with some of the principles of people like Thomas Jefferson or Ben Franklin, or you might, that's fine, but you're not going to argue that they were uneducated. That's right. And none of them went to school. It's like we have, you know, that's what I'm talking about with the cult mentality. We're saying that this has to happen before the education is there. It's like saying, if you've never been to a doctor, there's no way you can be healthy. If you've never been to church, there's no way you can know God. None of those yes, things are true. Exactly. 
Exactly. None of those things are true. So it's a subservience to a system yeah. that we've been trained to bow down to. And unfortunately, when you start to do a little bit of a deep dive into, well, why did that system come to be anyways? Mm -hmm. And if you really start to apply any amount of logic, well, if you've got 90 some odd percent of our population that's gone through it, would you argue that we have a well-educated populace? Okay, well, why? And it's not just school's fault. It's a multifaceted issue, but you would still think if it was the answer, we would have a, a better outcome now. Yes. You know, so there's all these holes that you can poke in it. And I bring families, you know, down the logical train, depending on where they're coming from. And they're, yes, yep, you bet, you bet. And it's like, okay, are you ready to home educate or 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 find an alternative? And it's like, oh, oh but grade level, but like it's that emotional yeah. attachment, you know, to that cult mentality of school. Yeah. So it's it's amazing how ingrained it is. It is. Um, how did you come to this? So you, you mentioned you were, mm -hmm. you, what, what did you teach? You're a public school teacher. Was that first? I, Is that what you wanted to do? I, I wasn't. So I came to this, I always tell people I actually came to it starting at four years old. So I went into kindergarten at four and I remember sitting as a four-year-old as they grouped us together and I looked and I went, okay, well, they think that group needs the most help with reading. They think this group needs a little bit less than them. And they think we're the best readers. I get the game. <laughs> I remember figuring that out early. Wow. So I got, I got straight A's all through school. And it's not because I'm wildly intelligent. It's because I understood the game. Mm. And so it really started there because I started seeing the game and I started seeing, okay, I was really good at school. Maybe I've got to make this a career because I don't see what else I'm good at. I'm good at playing school. Um, so I ended up going to college. I ended up at Stanford University one. first. Okay. And so as I was at Stanford, I'm seeing the same thing. I'm watching all these young people who are way smarter than I am. And they're really, really good at school, but they were broken and they were, um, they couldn't communicate and they were mm. not emotionally resilient. And they were struggling with so many things that I thought, well, gosh, what has their education done for them, you know, at, at this point? Uh, and that's where naively at the time I went, okay, well, you know, I'm going to start at the root of the problem. I'll go be a teacher. And, and that's where it's going to help. And so I was a public school teacher in, in California and, uh, ultimately a public school administrator, Wow, uh, making all of these moves, you know, naively thinking, okay, well, this is the next way that I can help. Mm -hmm. So public school teacher, public school admin, private school teacher, private school administrator, which is why I said, cool, I have to leave all of this and start my own thing. Cause now I've got kids of my own and they're not going to any of these. That's powerful. And so what was the thing that you started? So I uh, started a K through 12, which we've now started almost 300 campuses uh, around the globe. Wow. Uh, we're in 40, 40 some odd states, 20 some odd countries. So I started a K through 12 underneath the Acton Academy umbrella. Uh -huh. uh, and we started a K through 12 campus that, you know, I can't say that it was a private school because it's not. It was a center for education. Mm -hmm. It was a center for education where young people were coming and they were taking on massive amounts of responsibility. They're learning to set their own trajectory in terms mm -hmm. of academics. They're self-led, learner-led in that way. Uh, you walk into the kitchen and you find a chef who's there cooking real food every day and he's in high school. Mm -hmm. And he's hired middle school students to work for him as a sous chef. We've got young heroes that are making six figures while they're still in high school with the businesses that they are running. They are running, you know, they're working internships and apprenticeships in fields that they're interested in. It is real life at hyper speed. It's mm -hmm. all transferable. Uh, and those are the kind of schools we're starting. 
what is, you know, I'm not a parent, but I would imagine if I were a parent and I had a school-aged child, Mm -hmm. uh, I would imagine this kind of school would be in pretty high demand for people who want the best education for their kids. Mm-hmm. Are you finding that, uh, that, that the demand is greater than the capacity of the schools? Or is there, are there barriers to entry? Or, or what does this look like for a parent who's listening and watching saying mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, how, how do we get involved? It's a good question. So there are barriers to entry. We we do a massive filtering system at every at every campus because we want to have the conversation because people hear these stories. They hear the outcomes. Sure. They don't want the process that leads to the outcome. Right. They just want the I gift. Want, they just want the fancy thing all wrapped up at the end saying, here you go, mom and dad. Good job. <laughs> exactly. Right. I want the six pack abs. I don't want the yeah. work that comes into it yeah. with the workouts right. and having to put the right stuff in my mouth and keep this other stuff out. Like that sucks. Where's the pill? Right. They want the pill. So the, the reason that the demand isn't through the roof is because they don't want the pill of we don't really care about academics. Mm. They get it. There are academics involved there, but we don't really push it at all from us, from an adult standpoint. And we don't really even try to touch it until they're maybe in middle school. Cause Hey, by the way, they'll go through an entire K through 12 curriculum from an academic standpoint in three years when they're ready. Yeah. Without a teacher. Totally. But parents are so scared of that because their child might be seven, not touching a bunch of academics. And another seven-year-old, the parents are like, ooh, he's got his ABCs and he's starting to do multiplication. And the parents freak out. They don't want the actual developmental process that produces a better outcome because of one little step in the middle that they think well, learning's not happening. Well, no, actually that young person's starting a business. They're making the rules of engagement for Socratic conversations. They're holding each other accountable. They're actually responsible for cleaning uh, their own studios. They're responsible for teaching other people. They're responsible. They're massively responsible. They're learning at a ridiculously high level. They're just not doing that. And therein lies the disconnect. Hmm. That's the fear. Because I can't go tell my friend Tulsi, who's a parent, that my kid's doing the same thing as her kid. So now I feel like a bad parent. So I'd rather just put them back into the slave system because at least it'll be the same as everybody else. That's a powerful term, the slave system. And that's, and I, and I don't ever shy away from that because that's what it is for. Yeah. Unfortunately. And again, not a knock on the teachers. It's what the system is for. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I've met and spent time, you know, I've guest, I've been a guest teacher in a, a high school yeah. classroom for history class. And I've spent yeah. a lot of time with, with uh, teachers over the last couple of decades. My father-in-law, he just retired from being a public high school teacher, taught uh, at every level. And the thing that I, I, I could probably count on one hand, certainly could count on one hand, the number of teachers I met who were joyful. Not because they didn't like being a teacher. They chose to be a teacher following this passion in their heart to help care for children and to help grow amazing young people into leaders. Uh, But almost every interaction I've had with these amazing people who chose to be teachers have been really depressing conversations about and the frustrations um, are, you know, I think I talked to one teacher whose main thing was like, I'm having difficulty with these kids and no discipline and so on and so forth. Uh, but a lot of the conversation, but even with that one, a lot of the conversation was like, 
I feel like my hands are tied behind my, my back. Yeah. I cannot decide how and what I'm teaching these children and all of these external pressures that really take the teaching away from That's being right. a teacher uh, in, these, in these schools. And I get those conversations. I have those conversations daily. This is seven days a week. Yeah. I have teachers, I have you know, administrators from all over the country and, and really all over the world that are reaching out and they're saying these exact same things. And there's so many of them that are, they're heartbroken because like you said, they got into this altruistically. They love young people. They want to pour into young people and they are feeling handicapped and handicapped and handcuffed. Those are the things that I get you know, the most. And so some of them have acquiesced and they're going, okay, well, I'm just going to ride it out because I'm, you know, 10 years away from retirement. Sure. Right. And so, but that's the energy they're also bringing into, you know, into the schools every single day. And, you know, I always encourage them to be, uh, what I, I was creatively insubordinate as a teacher, you know, and I got brought in by the superintendent of our district as a teacher. Uh, and he says, you know, you're a conundrum for us. It's like, this is a, you, you don't listen. Uh, you're doing your own thing. You can't do your own thing. You have to listen to the boss, but also you're the favorite teacher at that school by parents, mm -hmm. by students, by the other teachers there. So you're really like, what do we do with you? you know? and, so, <laughs> and, and then I was that person as a site administrator too. I was yeah. the creative subordinate and it's, you just, you're not going to last long because the system won't let you, yeah. you know, last long. I think if you look at the California statistics, I want to say it is somewhere close to 50% of new teachers within three years leave the profession never to come back mm. 50%. And it's not because they decided they hate children. Yeah. It's not, yeah. you know, there's, there's no joy in this because it's exactly what we're talking about, you know, yeah. and that's the, and, and unfortunately most private schools will do the same thing. They will repeat the same model. It's the same pig, different shade of lipstick. Mm. They'll repeat the exact same thing public schools are doing and just make you pay. They have better marketing. Yeah. And have better <laughs> marketing. Yeah. And have a prettier, have a prettier gym or yeah. or they'll say Jesus at on campus. Mm. You know, but let's not pretend that the same issues aren't taking place because mm. they are. And again, it's getting away from real education. We're so focused on school. Yeah. Uh, and that to me is even even more of an atrocity than just yes there's the agendas that are playing out you've got all the you know the questioning of the genders and all this craziness that is playing out in our schools yes that's that's a problem but this system that is designed to make massively just obedient people who hand over that pen for somebody else to write their story for them and maybe make them a background actor in their own story for the rest of their life uh, that to me is the sneakiest part of the whole thing yeah and to, to what purpose, right? To whose end, uh, you know, who, who then, if that's the case, then who has, who is the hero uh, of that story, right? right. And, and that's where I, I think about as, as you talk about even private schools and mm -hmm. we're talking about outcomes, thinking like, okay, well, we've got some fancy private schools here in our state, as every state does. And what are the most often cited uh, positive outcomes of those very fancy expensive schools is, oh, well, they're feeder schools into the Ivy Leagues. Right. That is that is the singular outcome, right? Because, well, that, of course, is going to be the key to their success. Because if they go to this special school, then they, mm -hmm. they can go to that next special mm -hmm. school that's even more expensive. Uh, yep. And again, to what end? Okay, so you get to rub shoulders with more fancy people, and then maybe you get a fancy job uh, at the end of it. 
and then what? You know, like, okay, so then you can be this empty shell of a human chasing dollar signs or titles, but, but what value, you know, do you have in your life? What meaning do you have in life? To what end is this all, is this all leading to? That's right. Then you die and then what? You know what I mean? Right. And that's the whole, you know, when I say education should be for freedom and sovereignty, that's not just a platitude that should be for uh, emotional sovereignty for relational sovereignty for financial sovereignty for right you've got this peace of mind and i know so many people as do you as do a lot of the people listening like that that have gotten that ivy league education and they come out and they've maybe they do make good money maybe they did get a good job but they are miserable but marriages are failing but their relationships with their kids are not there but they don't uh, you know they don't love their work they're not living for a purpose they're not physically healthy they're not emotionally spiritually healthy so did school happen to them did they have like how how did that not help that's a problem yeah that's a problem. The sovereignty in that, you know, in those regards are, are just are just not there. And then of course we can cite people that have done really well in school and of course and done really well in life. But I always argue that it's in spite of, not necessarily because mm. of, it's rarely because of. Yeah. So I was a little bit of a I was a little bit of well, very much an independent thinker and a little bit of a rebel. Yes, uh even even as a kid growing up. Um I, you know, and I, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I've, I've don't know exactly what it was that made me intrinsically know that college was a racket. I knew right, like I immediately knew, like there is no way. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, I guess you know, again, I'll point to my parents. For all five of us kids in our family, we have three older brothers and younger sister. They they basically said like, look, it's your life, your decisions you live with the consequences of those decisions, whether they be good consequences or negative ones. Um, Just know that like you will, you will not experience true success and true happiness in your life unless you dedicate whatever it is you choose to do in -hmm. service to God and others. Mm -hmm. And, and they said, if you want to go to college, that's fine. Figure out how you're going to pay for it. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay. And so already, like it was, it was not like it, they they were not encouraging or discouraging. They're like, you sure. got to weigh the pros and cons. Look at the options. What is it that you want to learn? What skill do you want to develop? Mm. And so for me, as I was looking at at you know, okay, I'm done with high school. You know, I I, I love school. I, I love learning, and I uh, was looking at different things. Immediately, I knew number one, I ain't gonna go into debt for this at all. Yeah. So I am not gonna sign up for anything that I can't afford because I don't want to live under under the thumb of that that weight. Right. And and secondly, like what is it that I really want to learn? And so I start out um, at a community college going through a TV and film production course because mm-hmm. that's what mm-hmm. I was really interested in wanting to learn how to do. And a long story short, I ended up um, I, I didn't earn my bachelor's degree until 2000 and uh, I don't know, eight, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was because I very directly was taking my own personal principled stand against the collegiate industrial complex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> I was like, you. hey, yeah. this is a piece of paper. You want me to pay you a ton of money for a piece of paper and what That's does right. it even mean? Because I start talking to people and like looking at jobs and different opportunities. They're like, oh, but do you have a degree? I was like, in what? For what? 
like what oh but like it can be in whatever like what do you mean it can be in whatever yeah <laughs> so and all you care about is this piece matter. of paper exactly right. and it, and this very first thing started it was 2002 and i was at this this decision point in my life then i was 21 and i was trying to decide okay I'd, I'd uh, finished that course in the community college and I was, you know, went and helped my mom. My mom had run for board of education and I was, did some nonprofit work. So I was like, okay, so this political thing I'm interested in because very passionate about environmental issues and clean water. And I know that I can do some good. Should I go to college and study political science and talk about it and learn quote unquote how to do it? Mm -hmm. Or at that time there was a, there was an open state house seat and, um, I thought, well, I can either go talk about it or I can go do it. Mm -hmm. And I made the decision to go and do it. And I ran for office and I got asked that question a lot because I had to go and like, okay, like I had to go knock on thousands of people's doors, learn. I'd never taken public speaking, debate, total introvert, extremely debilitatingly shy. And yeah. so all of the things that becoming a public servant, a public elected official required, like I didn't know how to do any of them and I certainly was not good at it. Yeah. But but I knew my purpose and I knew and understood why. And I was confronted with this question over and over and over. Like my political opponent at that time, he was like, hey, look, she's only 21 and she has no degree. That's literally what he put on his brochure as his criticism of me. She's 21 and she's got no degree. And uh, and I I had the opportunity as I was knocking on people's doors, going house to house, introducing myself to them and often being asked like, you're too young. And I said, too young for what? Right. You know, don't you want, like, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I want to do for this community. Don't you want someone who's young and bringing fresh ideas and new energy to that stagnant state capital and mm. actually start to get some things done? And I ended up getting elected to that seat, still no college degree, and sure. continued to be confronted with people like, oh, but, 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 you don't have that piece of paper. And I'm like, why? And so, anyway, there's, the there, there's a lot there, but it is. There's it absolutely the is. There's cult mentality. Yeah. Right? And by the way, 20, 21, and, and again, that's part of the cultural shift and part of what we've done with school. How old were our founding fathers when they exactly. were going? Exactly. Mean, these were teenage. They were 18, 19, 20, yep. 21, 22, right? They were young. The word teenager didn't even exist until 1944. Wow. It didn't even exist until then, you were just expected to take on, you know, you had these rites of passage, you were expected to take on massive responsibility, and they did it, and they did it well. Yes. Our DNA hasn't changed in 80 years. Our expectations have changed. Yes. We've lowered the bar for humanity, period. That's adults included. So then we've gone ahead and done the same thing for our young people, and we have given them this excuse called teenage years to tell them that they're not capable of anything. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, when we have 16 and 17 year old young heroes at our campuses who are getting six figure jobs that are degree required jobs before they even graduate, they're proving this wrong. There's multiple things that uh, you know are, are completely asinine with what we're talking about here. So when we're talking about education versus school, if you have access now to, to the internet, you have access to YouTube, you have access to a library, you have access to all information ever. Yes. We're the most informed population that's ever been. That's not our problem. 
we don't want to go after education because we're focused on this narrow scope of school, right? There's this guy, uh, Sugata Mitra, and I don't know if you've ever seen his Mm -hmm. TED Talk, Um, but gosh, it was from... I mean, 2008, maybe it was, it was a while ago, but he uh, did this experiment. He called the whole, uh, hole in the wall uh, experiment or school in the cloud, something that hole in the wall, school in the cloud, something like that. And he dropped this computer into a third world country to uh, almost like in like an ATM, almost like a kiosk hmm. kind of thing. And I had a computer, had internet access. They had never seen a computer in that village ever, never seen internet access. The young kids eight, nine years old, within hours, they were recording themselves, they were singing songs back, right? They were figuring out how to do all of these things on the computer. So he upped the ante, put a college level course in English on the computer. And within a few months, these nine, 10, 11 year olds were able to pass a college level course in a language they'd never spoken, because they had the desire to do it. Right. So the human desire element, that's what we're missing. We're missing that drive, that passion, that purpose, you know, that you're talking about. It has nothing to do with age and it has nothing to do with getting some sort of arbitrary piece of paper. Yeah. It's, it's something I've reflected on quite a bit now as, as especially over the last, I don't know, maybe, maybe for quite some time, but I feel like some of these questions are being asked now kind of in the mainstream media. Uh, you know, we're seeing it in the military recruitment numbers are way down. Somebody asked uh, recently in the media, well, how do we inspire this generation of young people to want to serve mm. as though it's their problem? And mm. I just, you know, I was like, well, hey, we got to take a step back here and think about what kind of society are these young people coming up in? Yes, what ma'am. what are the institutions in our society, specifically the educational institutions that they spend, you know, most of their their waking hours at? What are educational institutions telling them is important? Mm-hmm. What are we telling them will bring them fulfillment and happiness right. and joy? And is it any wonder, really, when you look at the fact that you know, we have no real civics education anymore in schools. We have no mm-hmm. emphasis placed on what does the Constitution and Bill of Rights really mean to us uh, oh. as as Americans? What does it mean to be an American? And what actually makes you happy? That's right. You know what I mean? Whether exactly. whether through like through mentorship and education or just like in in practice. That's and right. That, that was something that you know my again. I, it was something that I, I'm so grateful to have actually experienced. Like, no, somebody could tell you this, right? But until you actually experience it and know it for yourself, like, hey, I'm happier when I'm doing things for other people than when I'm just trying to think about what's best for myself. Bingo. Exactly. That's exactly. So, if you, if I was to ask you, if you were to grow up and you only had, you know, three or four foods, and that's all you'd ever had, and I said, Tulsi, what's your favorite food? Well, what are you going to pick? You're going to pick out of one of those few foods, right? But right. if you've grown up getting cuisine from all these different areas, you go to a buffet, you've mm-hmm. tried all this, you're actually making an informed decision at that point. You're yeah. saying, look, I have tried this, I've tried this, I've tried that, I've tried this. And not only is this my favorite, but actually, if you bring a little bit of this flavor over here too, and you kind of like, you can create something unique and something special, right? Yeah. Well, that's what we're missing for our young kids too. And everybody's got to go to school and it's just the same subjects. There's this, you know, theoretical ladder of, of, subjects that you got to take and all these different steps you have to take, but they're not actually experiencing anything. Mm -hmm. Is it any wonder that they come out and they have no idea who they are? 
Right. They have no clue what they want to do. They Yesterday, they were 18, raising their hand to ask another human being if they could go to the bathroom. Right. And that person had the power to say no. <laughs> right. And now all of a sudden, you're supposed to know who you are and what you're going to do in this world. Right. It's ridiculous. You have no idea who you are because you haven't been given the opportunity. You know, you haven't been given the chance. And, and so that's why... Uh, you know, this big giant focus on education. It's why we build our schools and our mentorship programs allows them. We tell them fire, aim, ready. You're going to, you're going to take a step first. You're going to go experience something first. You're going to mess up and you're going to do some things right. And then you're going to allow those, you know, inputs to decide, okay, now I'm going to aim and now I'm going to walk forward. Right. And you're going to continue to do that because at the end of that, you're going to know who you are. You're going to know what you have to offer the world. You're going to know what you like, what you dislike, what you're good at, what you're not good at. And you can actually make an informed decision. And by the way, that's what employers want too. They right. want young heroes that are like that. Even a lot of these, you know, and I get to speak to these Fortune 500 companies around the world and they will tell me sometimes openly, sometimes behind closed doors, the, the whole college degree thing, a lot of times it's a filter. Mm. And look, as an employer, I get that. I get a hundred resumes on my desk and it's just a resume. Mm -hmm. I got to figure out a way to filter it somehow. Right. And so sometimes that becomes the arbitrary thing. But if I know somebody and they go, Hey, you've got to meet this person and they introduce me and that person, I see there's a character match. There's a values match. There's an ability there. There's a resilience there. There's a toughness. There's a, I'm going, Hmm. Okay. Let yes. me give this person a shot. And then they show me they have the skill set too. Mm -hmm. Man, it's a done deal. Right. So we've got our young heroes showing organizations. They're not just sending in a resume. They're showing them, look, I can do the work. Yeah. And our values do match. I know exactly who you guys are. Here's who I am. Here's evidence of that. And employers are picking them up left and right for those that want to be employed. And then other, uh, you know, other heroes, they know themselves well enough where they're like, no, I'm going to go carve my own path. Exactly. I'm going to bring my own business. I always tell people, when I tell people we have horses because my daughters bought the horses when they were nine and seven, <laughs> wow. based on the money they made from their businesses. Wow. Then it's no longer, oh, that's cute that your kids run businesses. No, no, no. Mm -hmm. That's what they do. The algebra, they can't do it, but they'll look at a P&L. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. That's education. That is. Because that's, that's always the question when we're looking at algebra is like, what the hell does this matter what? for? <laughs> for what? And it will matter. And some people that use it will come, oh, I use it for my job. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 1% of the 1% of 1%. And for you, yeah. you need it. Awesome. Great. So yeah. it's there. Go get yeah. it. That's yeah. fantastic. And by the way, if somebody really is hell bent on going into those fields, they're usually going to be uh, excited about the prospect of that. I've had 11 year olds on our campus doing trigonometry because they yeah. really were wired that way. And they wanted to go into that field. Awesome. Go get it. Right. But it doesn't mean that's everybody. And that's the thing education, if it's really, truly personal, well, then why is everybody doing the same thing? If everybody was on the same medication or had to eat the same food or had to be the same religion or had to be, we would all be up in arms, but we make all our kids do the same damn thing at the same time. And we call that education. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't. <laughs> so, so, um, your, the schools, your schools, mm -hmm. it's, it's hard to, imagine for those who have gone through a quote unquote traditional school yeah. system it's hard to imagine like what the day-to-day -day looks like how yeah. how what what does education look like in your school yeah that's a great question so 
you've got the the students are separated into what we call studios and so that's kind of a mixed age group and that's who they're going to spend the primary amount of time with during the day but they're going to see everybody you're talking about five years old to 18 years old and they all know each other there's a relationship there so we intentionally keep our campuses to right around 150 160 because there's a social aspect to that where you go too much higher than that you don't know everybody i love sure. watching my son when he was five on campus going hey what's up blaze you know and, and blaze is 18 and they're okay. fist bumping and yeah. walking by right because they know each other right and uh so you but you organize in these smaller these smaller units and you're going to start out your day uh with first of all getting in a circle standing up and going hey tulsi good morning nice to see you right you're going to look each other in the eye you're going to shake hands they're going to go around they're going to say good morning to each other we're getting back to some of those just human values and those yes. I, I swear you know i'll bring people in and all of our heroes are walking up they're introducing themselves they're looking people in the eye they're shaking hands and it's like people are like what is going on you would thought i've you know just introduced them to jesus just because <laughs> it's about the kids shaking their hands right. you know? so so they start the day out with that and then they'll get into a socratic conversation they'll get into some sort of what we call our launch and uh, they've got rules of engagement of what a good conversation looks like what are the components so that the material they talk about can really be anything because they understand how to have a good conversation. Yeah. They understand what civil discourse looks like. Yeah. They understand how to articulate their side, how to listen to somebody else who might have a different point of view than them, weigh the evidence back and forth. And even at the end of the day, if they decide, well, we disagree on this, they understand how to do so and still find the other things they agree on, right? Civil discourse, right? The things adults can't do. Sadly. So, they start the day out with that and it'll be a, a Socratic conversation around something. They might watch a Ted talk that spurs on the conversation, whatever that looks like there. Then they'll break off and they'll usually handle their academic stuff in the morning. But when I say handle academic stuff, it is self-directed. And what that means is they are learning to set their own goals. By the end of today, I want to get this done. It's not subject based. It is, I want to learn about this. I want to accomplish this. I might be using... Uh, any number of resources to do that. And they've got a very specific plan to themselves so they can go as fast as they want, take as much time as they want. They're only competing against the version of themselves from yesterday. Hmm. They've got other heroes in there that they're able to lean on to bring over to tutor. They've got older heroes that come in to help. The older heroes are able to go outside and get you know apprenticeship internships, but they're able to also bring in mentors to help them with their academics. It is very much like life. Find somebody to help you if you need help, but get after it if you can get after it. So they get that done in the morning. The afternoons are more project-based. And so that's where we're exposing them to a massive amount of things. So they might have, we might go, okay, you have uh, six weeks. At the end of the six weeks, uh, we're going to bring all the parents in and we're going to bring the community in. And you guys have to have a city that you've all worked together to develop. There has to be some that's built out of Legos, some that's built out of hammer and, and wood and, and nails. Some of it's got to be uh, out of cardboard. Some of it has to be 3D printed. It all has to go together and you're going to run electricity to the entire thing. And we're going to bring the families in and we're going to flip the switch and we're going to see what happens and see if the electricity lights up. Wow. Ready, go. We're going to give them the end results. And then they're going to go forward and take on little mini projects and challenges that are going to scaffold in to the biggest result. And they're inspired about it. Like they're excited about it. Even if they have no desire to do that, mm -hmm. 
long term, this is a really cool project. This yeah. is a really neat thing. It's real learning. They're having to collaborate. They're having to work together to solve interesting problems. So they might do that for six weeks and have to reflect on, did it work, did it not? And then the next six weeks, they might have to write, produce, sell tickets to, and, and have an entire play that they put on for the community. And some people have to build the set, some have to build you know, the, the props, some have to make the costumes, some have to act, some have to direct, some have to record, some have to sell tickets, and they have to come together as an organization hmm. to do that, all while starting their own businesses or doing the internships and apprenticeships and having jobs on campus. Hmm. When you have a young person that has experience collaborating around so many projects like that, that transfer directly to real life, yeah. to the workforce, and they know the projects they loved and what parts of it they loved and what they were good at versus somebody who did the exact same class as everybody else, just learned how to play the game of school. Who do you want in your organization? It's not even close. Yeah, It's not even fair. It makes me sad for kids in conveyor belt schools. Yeah. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. What I'm curious, what what's an example, and I'm sure you've got many, but what's an example of a business that a 12 year old, for for example, has has started in your school? Sure. Um, again, unfortunately, I do have many, um, yeah. and I so I only want to make sure I give credit to where credit is due. Yeah. Right? But we've had, um, you know, we had girls that created a uh, digital cookbook from other young students all over the world, uh, and they sold that. Um, they sold fifty, sixty thousand dollars worth of uh, wow. worth of cookbooks over over a couple of different years. Um, we've had uh, students who have started their own fashion lines and have gone on to work for like Donna Karen and and wow. doing things. And we've had students who um, have started um, uh, bat, what are those things? Bago, like the cornhole. Oh right? yeah, yeah. The yeah. young man who started a custom cornhole. Okay. Uh, products and custom cornhole business. And he started selling it to uh, hotels all up and down the state of California. Uh, and it turned it into a business that he ended up selling to other young people. Wow. Uh, I mean, you name it. So creative. Yeah. And it's, there is no cap. There is no limit mm -hmm. for these young people. We just have to remind them of that. So for, for, you mentioned there's a rigorous uh, selection process, for lack of a better term, yes, uh, for kids and families who go to your schools. What is that? And what are you looking for? And, or, or, and what are you, what, what are disqualifiers? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we try to, un, we very much take an unselling approach. We very much take a, here's why you don't want to be here. Hmm. Uh, because we don't, we, we don't care about academics. They will get it but we're not going to care about it uh, uh, by putting it on. A, we're not going to put it on a pedestal, mm -hmm. right? They're not really going to touch 
pushing hardcore on anything academically until really they're in about middle school because developmentally that's when they're going to be ready they're going to read a ton um, they're going to collaborate they're going to work a lot they're just not going to touch these academics until later and that's probably why you don't want to come we're not going to ever talk about college readiness the paradox is all of our kids are going to get into college if they want to easily it's an mm -hmm. easy game to play and we know how to play it but we're never once going to tell them that college is the end all be all or should be a goal at all so that's probably why you don't want to come here like we want to make all of those things abundantly clear and we want the parents that are going yes i need this i need this i need this we're not going to shut down if the state says everybody's got to wear masks and you got to shut down schools we're not going to enforce masks um and we're not going to shut down uh, i mean we will i'll try to throw every single bit at them right there and it's the parents that come through and they're like yes this right. is it this is what i want right uh, let's go and then we'll let the young hero come shadow we want to see that young person in action because we want to make sure there's character there too um and by that i you know we've had some students that have come in and they look phenomenal they yes ma'am yes sir they're doing all the right things and then the other young heroes come to us later and they're like yeah by the way when you guys leave the room it's like f you f you and they're mm -hmm. kicking right that's that's not going to happen either um if you're a jerk you don't get to come to the school too so we want to know that there's character in the home as well yeah. and that's the final stage is the interview um if the shadow went well the unselling the parents were like nope we're on board then we'll do a family interview and we just want to see how they interact uh, and it's nothing, we're not trying to trip them up. We're not trying to, sure. we just want to see is there love, is there respect, is there honor, is there value? Um, you know, is there character that's shining through? That's it. As long as that's there, we're ready to rock and roll. That's beautiful. What What do your critics say about this method of, of education? The critics say that students can't be learner led. Hmm. That's it. And it's the critics are only coming out of academia. Hmm. The critics say it's dangerous to not have the adult pouring dictating. into yeah. dictating and pouring into the young, and it's always out of fear. Uh, but that's really the only that's really the only story they can try to sell because this we have too many success stories at this point yeah. we have too many parents who are launching more and more of these schools we have too many young heroes who are coming out and doing anything and everything they want to do and they're wildly happy and at peace because of it that's that's really it uh they they can't say anything yeah i was sent a video of um Recently, I was a, a feature story that was done on a school in Los Angeles. Uh, I, I've got to find the name of it. Uh, you may already be familiar with it, but you know they have these different programs called Youth Challenge across the country. Mm -hmm. um, this was similar, but not part of the Youth Challenge Academy, but similar in the sense of these were all kids who came to this school because they came from really difficult environments, mm -hmm. whether it be at mm -hmm. home or in their neighborhood, and and uh, frankly, they weren't they were not on a good path themselves. The school is actually a public school in the LA school system, but it is it is run in a militaristic kind of discipline heavy environment. Yep. Yep. Um, the thing that's different about this school than like your at your normal like okay this is a boot camp environment you have drill sergeants is that it is student led exactly what mm -hmm. you're talking about. Okay. So the kids, they are setting the entire schedule for the school. They have that, as you said, they're in the kitchen. They've, they're managing the cleaning. Every single aspect of every single thing that happens in their day is led by these students. 
And uh, in the, the interviews with these kids, they were incredibly professional, uh, sure. so cool, so collected, yep. um, completely in command and Absolutely. kind and caring for each other, understanding the importance of mentorship and hugely successful from a true educational standpoint, nothing but opportunity before them. It's not this issue like, oh, okay, well, I got to go enlist in the military because I have no other options. Like, no, man, like I would hire any one of these kids for sure in a heartbeat because yep. of that maturity and, and, and sense of meaning and value and responsibility and service that they were already living uh, as they were going. I think it was, it was certainly high school, uh, it may have been middle school as well, but I was just blown away. See, and that's fantastic. So we talk about all these anti-bullying programs, yeah. right? They're clearly not working. Well, it's because the system itself is designed to create those false social hierarchies within it, right? What yeah. when, you, when you're talking about a system where you have other human beings, again, who tell you when you can go to the bathroom, when you can't, when you can speak, when you can't stand in a straight line, keep your mouth closed. You won't speak until you raise your hand and I tell you, you're allowed to speak. Uh, you're only allowed to hang out with this, you know, people in the same date of manufacture as you, you automatically have to revere anybody older. You automatically look down on somebody younger. It doesn't matter how kind or intelligent or loving or caring that older person is in front of you, you have to listen to them. The only system that we have in our country that kind of mimics that in terms of like a microcosm of a community is prison. Mm. That's the only one. And so what happens in prison? Because the inmates don't have a voice there either. And I'm not advocating that the inmates have a voice. What I'm saying is they don't have a voice. So how do they exhibit their voice? Well, they group up on the yard and they pick an enemy because you have to figure out a social hierarchy because you have to have somebody that you can that you can oppress because that's how you're going to at least get some sort of status you're going to get some sort of voice well bullying happens because of the exact same thing you've got all these kids we're not getting to the root issue and then we're putting them in a system where people can tell them they care but all the actions around it don't actually look like that yeah. right so when you go to our campuses are there it's not a panacea that would be just as dangerous right so are there issues do they of course there's issues you're talking about kids and they're trying just to humans. collaborate around big they're humans right <laughs> yeah. and so they're trying to collaborate around big so yeah they're gonna you know they're gonna argue but there's no bullying mm. that doesn't exist because they all know they have a voice and their opinion matters and they're given agency over their own life. We are telling them, look, we are going to open door after door after door. And we're not going to beat you, throw you, yank you to walk through those. You've got to make the choice to walk through. And when they've made that choice, they've got a piece there that we we don't have bullying on our campuses for that very reason. I believe and, it. And, those, and I'm sure that's how it is for those young people too. Yeah. You know, and one of the things we were talking about too is uh, – earlier and talking about how the funding works we talk a lot about mental health for our young students too mm -hmm. but one of the things we've eradicated is the physical side of things yes for our young people right you go back and you look at la sierra high school from 1962 jfk made a point to talk about this school and talk about how this should be the program for the rest of america for physical education you go back and you watch 
clips from that and highlights from that. And you can go look, anybody can look up the La Sierra uh, high school physical fitness program. You can look up the PDF and all the standards that they had. And they had physical fitness standards for these young men that 99% of military operators right now could not hit. Hmm. Wow. It was just the standard. And you came in and you had white shorts and you had a certain standard you had to hit. And if you didn't hit it, you stayed as a white short. If you hit this, okay, now you're a red short. But the next level up to get your gold shorts, right, was another level. And then the ultimate was, you know, you had the blue and then you had the ultimate was the navy blue. And they didn't want, okay, well, that's not fair. It's not fair to these kids. Nope, that was just the standard you had to hit. Yeah. And in all the years of the program, they only had two students that never got out of the white they all were so ridiculously physically fit and you talk to them now and it wasn't just about the physical fitness they talked about the camaraderie that was built they talked about the confidence that was built they talked about the fact that there was no bullying on campus because everybody had that physical outlet they had confidence in themselves and they didn't have to treat anybody else poorly they understood the correlation between physical health and mental health yes i i you know we need to stop saying we care about the mental health of our young people in this country if we don't lead with the physical side of that yeah if we're going to feed them prison food and not let them actually get any kind of exercise we have got to stop saying that we care about their mental health because the actions aren't showing it right and how do they deal with the mental health that they claim to be so concerned about mm. drugs mm -hmm. right from as so young an age as possible that's right. That's right. Especially for our young men yeah. and especially for our young men. Oh, I'm sorry, mom and dad, your five-year-old must have a methamphetamine deficiency. Right. So we're going to, we're going to go ahead and, and get them hooked up, yeah. you know, right God, now. So and, and that's the real gateway. Those pharmaceuticals, you know, the early methamphetamine, the early, you know, the Ritalin and the mm -hmm. Adderall and all, those are the real gateway drugs. Those are the young people that stay on those kind of things and in the pharmaceutical system for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm is what big pharma is counting on yes ma'am we're breaking them early and making lifelong yep. customers exactly mm -hmm. travesty physical physical health spiritual health mm. um that emotional health the mental mm. health uh these are all things that it seems we hear a lot of noise about right it's like oh my gosh we have skyrocketing obesity and you know, healthcare costs are blowing through the roof and all of these things. And yet we don't have people who are in positions of power and decision-making and influence who are connecting the dots and correlating the cause with the outcome or the cause with, with the problem. And therefore then how do we solve it? Mm -hmm. Um, I remember there's there's so many examples that I could cite from uh, my my eight years in Congress, but I remember one of the first that was a shock to me was um, passing the big farm bill every year. Is you know one of it's it's the big agriculture bill, uh, but it also deals with school nutrition and funding mm -hmm. for uh, school lunches and and whatnot, and uh, nutritional standards and all of these different things. And I remember there was a, an amendment that came through that bill um, that had to do with um, fruit and vegetables, the, the amount of fruit and vegetables that are required mm -hmm. to be served in schools to kids mm -hmm. every day in public schools. And there was an amendment that came through that said frozen pizza meets the uh, fruit and vegetable requirement. 
and they had to include that in congressional legislation right. because right. whatever the concoction of tomato sauce that was on that frozen pizza that, that mattered that met Tulsi. the nutritional standard Tulsi ketchup right meets that standard right freaking ketchup right the corn syrup based thing exactly i was gonna say tomato in there right. i was Meat gonna say sugar yes. probably comes first i haven't like i i don't keep Absolutely. ketchup in my house because of, because of that reason <laughs> but i'm pretty sure sugar corn syrup comes before tomatoes in that ingredient list for those who like i i am an ingredient list reader like yes, the first ingredient means Same. there's more of that than anything that's else right. that comes than anything after. else. That's it. That's baseline knowledge. Yes, that's exactly it. So it's baseline that. knowledge, Matt. But like, I I know a lot of people who they don't read ingredients. They don't, they don't read, read ingredients, and they, they don't, don't like. It's and 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 again, like, sorry to butt in, but it's these are things like I take for granted because you know, like my, my parents, yeah. like they they yep. had a healthy uh, family style deli. We all grew up working in the family restaurant and like mm -hmm. learning about like, well, what, what are you eating? Like what's actually going in your body? It was something that I grew up with, but I also have a lot of friends who they just don't. Like yeah. they, it's just not something they do. And, and you know, so, so for, I know of one person in particular, like, oh yeah, okay, you should eat salad every day. Like, oh yeah, I eat salad every day. I eat macaroni salad every day. Like, oh, buddy. That's, no. yeah. It so, <laughs> it's so not close, the same. Right? So but it, it wasn't even a joke, though. Yeah. It wasn't a yeah, joke. Right, like, he legitimately right. thought, like, okay, yeah, sure, I eat salad every day. Yeah. There's, like, crunchy things in the macaroni salad. What's the big deal? And and that's where, mm. again, like, my gosh, like, we, we really have a lot of, what does it go back to? The whole topic of our conversation. Bingo. Education. Bingo. Where, do, where, do, where do kids, you know, the, the first meals kids are eating outside of the home are in the classroom. That's right. That's and exactly And those kids right. grow up to be parents, many and of them. And those kids grow up to be parents, and those parents then repeat the cycle. You know, I always- yep. This is I what I ate to, when I was a kid. This is this what you This is what I ate when I was a kid, and yeah. I went to school when I was a kid, and I turned out yep. fine. Yep. First of all, fine sucks. Forget yeah, fine. I, I said, hey, Tulsi, how's your marriage? And you went, that's fine. <laughs> That doesn't sound good. Not that great. Does, that does not sound good. Not a good indicator. Bingo. Right? So yeah. fine sucks. I don't want fine. I don't want fine for my life. I don't want it for my wife. I do not want it for my kids. Yeah. I want thriving. That's right? right. I want I want excited. I want I want yeah. purpose filled. Yeah. I, like I want adventure, man. I want that. And by the way, so does everybody else. That's what we want. Mm -hmm. Right. So the whole I went to school, you know, I use the uh, the example of training elephants. And I don't know if you've you've seen, but how they train the elephants is, you know, they take the, the young elephant, right? And you tie the rope around the leg and you tie them to the stake. And so they can't physically pull away mm. at that point. And they're they want to because their nature is freedom. They want to break away. They're like, this is not okay. I should not be tied to this one location and they'll fight and they'll fight and they'll fight. And eventually they'll give up mm -hmm. because they realize they can't do it. Right? right. But the real travesty is later on in life, you can take that full grown magnificent beast and you put that tiny little rope back around its leg and you tie it to the post. Mm. That elephant will just acquiesce right from the get-go that i just can't leave apparently this is where i'm stuck wow and that is what we have done to our adults now too mm. they have these metaphorical ropes tied around you know their legs and they don't believe they can achieve anything more and the travesty is they then have their own kids and they go come here 
Mm-hmm. Let me tie this rope around your leg for you. We've been convinced to do it to our own kids till we send them right back into the same things that we've always done, right? We send them right back into this schooling system that left us feeling inadequate and, you know, in terms of being able to educate our own kids. So we send them right back into that same system that left us feeling inadequate. Yeah. Isn't that ridiculous? It's painful. We just perpetuate the cycle. And again, that's where that, you yeah. know, when I say that's that cult mentality. So that's, we're trying to break people. And I would just want people to understand there's options because yeah. people really don't know, like your friend with the macaroni salad, right? So people really don't know that you don't have to go to school. Like you don't have to go to school. You have to be educated. Right. If you don't have to go to school, right. you can home educate. And it's actually not, it's actually not that difficult. Um, but by the way, it does mean mom and dad, you're going to need to lead by example. You're going to need to, the best way to, to perpetuate their education is for you to continue to grow your own. Right. right? So you're going to have to do some work there, but you're going to lead by example because they're going to do what you do before they do what you say anyways. That's true. So you might as well do the right thing. Right. So you don't have to do it. You can home educate or there's options like these schools. You can go to to these schools here or there's homeschool hybrid co-ops right. or you can connect with, you know, uh, other people. Like there's a million different ways to do it. There's a million different ways. We've got families that use uh, our outline for uh, for the young men's mentorship program that Tim and I developed that is their primary home education thing is they go through that and these young guys are going through real educational experiences and then we're like okay and if you have more time and you want to sprinkle in you know some Khan Academy and some academia over here then great sprinkle that in but let's focus here on your education mm-hmm. and they're taking on you know these massive projects and challenges and meeting with mentors they're meeting with the best of the best of the best in the world every single week yeah. uh, you know they're getting literal input from you know, movie stars and military generals and billionaire CEOs. And I mean, quite literally the best men on the planet. And you know, the number one reason parents don't sign up when they find out about it, ah, school though, it gets mm. school, it's, school gets in the way. It's like, man, we, you know, we got to break people out and show them there's so many options. I think that most people, most people would agree that our education system in this country is at best certainly not successful mm-hmm. um in reality is is quite broken mm-hmm. uh by by almost any metric that that you use to 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 measure it by it is january of 2025 mm-hmm. there's a new administration in the white house mm-hmm. you get the phone call saying matt you're i would like your country needs you to serve as the secretary of education mm-hmm. What are your priorities? Mm. That's a, uh, the, the, you know, it's funny. So I got to, uh, I had the pleasure of, of introducing Joe Jorgensen uh, when she was having, uh, when she was doing her Northern California tour. She sure. said, hey, can I actually, I want to do it, uh, my speech at your, one of your campuses. So it's like, yeah, great. Come on, come on in. So she came in, I introduced her. We went out to dinner later and, and I got to meet with her and talk with her. So she posed uh, a very similar type question. And the only thing I could think of at the time was I said, well, Joe, what you're asking me right now is to come in and to ch- change the Vatican. It's the only thing I could think of hmm. because it's the only thing I could think of that was a system that was that deep rooted and that ingrained 
and that far reaching and that had gone into the hearts and minds of people so deeply right so i said the the reality is uh, i need to if i really want to do a good job in that position uh, i need to make myself completely uh irrelevant i need to get myself out of a job and i need to to destroy this entire thing we need to build learner led centers the problem is teaching as we know it now becomes uh irrelevant it becomes a new it, it's completely gone because from uh the standpoint of education a good educator is going to make himself irrelevant so that the learner can take things over think about it from a parenting standpoint i don't want my kids living with me when they're 40 years old i love them they're fantastic but i don't want them living here i want them to be able to be self-sufficient and be on their own i want to still have that relationship but i want them gone right i haven't done a good job as a parent if they need me at 40. a doctor hasn't done a good job as a doctor if they need you to maintain physical health right so from a systemic standpoint, we have got to build something that gets all of the adults ultimately out of the way, or, or I should say minimizes uh, the adults. So it would literally be a brand new, uh, it would be a brand new system. We would turn every single school into a self-directed community uh, over the course of a few years. And that would go with parent training around that too. We would talk about why we were here. We would talk about, I disagree that the system is broken. I think it's perfect is doing exactly what it was meant to do hmm. perfectly it is breaking down society uh, society it is breaking down the spirits of young people that's exactly what it's designed to do and it's doing a great job so it would have to be destroyed uh altogether completely and what would be the intent what's the intent if if you're if that's what you're saying it's designed to do what's the intent of creating broken people Rockefeller, when he put what was the equivalent of like $1.2 billion into the into the system as we brought this over from a Prussian military system, he says, I want a nation of workers, not a nation of thinkers. Mm. That's the intent. You get a nation of people who are blindly obedient. You get a nation of people who have given up their sovereignty, who feel like they have always got to answer to somebody. Uh, and they're just looking for who that authority is. And, and they're looking to be taken care of by that authority. That's the intent of the system. Uh, and, and so that's what I would that's what I would need to demolish. It, it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't look anything like it does now. Yeah. Um, we'd have to get rid of 90% of the adults. We'd have to turn everything learner led. We'd have to go in, you know, a hardcore transformation over the course of a few years and then let the students run with it after that. But it would have to come with the parent education on the side too. We'd have to retrain the minds. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's a pipe dream that'll never happen. What is, what, what is, what is, uh, I, just, if, I guess first, before I ask you that question, um, you talk about the need to get the parent parents also involved in training mm -hmm. and education. Mm -hmm. Um, I think this has been one of the alarming things that we've seen happening at least yeah. in broad daylight over the last few years. I know it's been happening, uh, maybe just not quite as loudly, but you know, with the Terry McAuliffe governor's race in Virginia, mm -hmm. and we've heard it from different union leaders and different politicians, different people in the media, basically saying that, you know, parents, you're not equipped or qualified to raise your own kids. So the state will do it, the school will do it, the media will do it, society right. will do it, the community That's will right. do it, just completely, emasculating parents 
from this core responsibility yeah. that parents have when choosing to have a child. Right. And we're seeing this now in legislation that is being passed in different states that is taking away a parent's right to protect their child's health, specifically when it comes to uh, these uh, child mutilation surgeries in the name of, mm -hmm. of gender affirmation, so-called gender mm -hmm. Uh, affirmation that parents are being threatened and and their power is being taken away from being able to say, no, I will not allow my child to be disfigured. Why do we still go into an organization that would allow for that to happen? Yeah. Why? Why? I get these. We have 11 rules in our house. One of the rules is no complaining. Fix it. If it is something worth complaining about, then it is something that you have a duty, have a duty to find a solution for. Now, I'm all for parents going and voicing their opposition to this. I want them to do that because there are still good people in that system. There are young heroes who are also there who will never get to leave. And there are young heroes who the best humans they ever see are the good people who are in that system. So look, I don't want that to go away. I want good people to still be there. And I applaud parents fighting. But once you understand that you have the option not to engage with that in terms of putting your child into it, you need to sacrifice whatever you need to sacrifice in order to make that happen. I don't understand why you wouldn't do that for your own child because that listen all of this talk all of the gender affirmation surgery all this again uh rockefeller said this it was a prussian system that was brought over it was designed to break the population it was designed to create obedient citizens and when you know that you understand that that end game isn't even fully developed yet why would you go play malcolm x had it right like i would never send my child to get you know indoctrinated by the enemy never mm. i wouldn't either and i don't know why so many parents are okay with that they don't i think sometimes they don't understand how bad it is they don't understand that this train is going to keep rolling yeah. but when you hear those kind of things i just um you can spend all of your energy fighting it or you can take that same amount of energy and build the solution, even if it's just for your own family. Uh, and that's what we're trying to provide. There's so many different options and I want to help parents. I'll point, it doesn't have to be with us. I'll point them in whatever direction, you know, and just break them out of that, break them out of that cage. Breaks my heart. I think that that really, that's the question that I was going to ask is, you know, you, you said that, uh, completely breaking down this current system and rebuilding something new is what needs to be done but you said it'll never happen. Um, it'll happen is... in pockets. It, it'll like, there's, there's the small pockets, right? There's like, the schools we're building are a solution. Right. The schools, Prenda is building a solutions. The, the fact that we now have over 5 million homeschool families in this country, yeah. right? Those are solutions. So those solutions are always there from a large scale government is behind it standpoint. That's what'll never happen. Do you think there should be a Department of Education? Hell no. Zero government. What, what does government have a role in education? Zero percent. That is a wildly education. All education is self-education. To to assume that there is a one size fits all, and and again, all injustices you know that have gone on to be uh, massive issues. They start at the 
it's for the greater good. You know, it's always for the greater good. And this is supposed to always be for the greater good. No, um, all education is self-education. It is wildly personal. Government should have no part in that because what would happen is good people will step up and step into those roles. What's a big problem, you know, a, a big part of the issue for all of this. We got fatherless, uh, a fatherless home issue. Right? We have a massive fatherless home issue. We need to get fathers in the home. That'll shift a whole bunch of this. People would step up, step into those roles. We have men stepping into these roles to mentor the young men uh, that we have in our program that don't have fathers. Good people would step up. Government should play no role. Where do parents turn now? Parents who recognize this problem or learning about it, perhaps, uh, including single family, uh, single parent homes, whether that be a, a mom raising her kids or a dad raising his kids. Yep. Those who feel, and I, I hear this from a lot of people is, gosh, I would love to raise my kids at home, but I have to work. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to uh, educate my kids at home is what yeah. I meant to say, but I have yeah. to work and I can't afford to pay for a tutor and I can't afford to pay for a private school. I can't afford to do to do all of these things. What options are available to people who are in those circumstances? Yeah, we talk to a lot of those. We talk to a lot of those families. And so I always tell them it's a two pronged approach. One, you as the parent need to train yourself on the difference between school and education. Otherwise, if you don't eradicate that fear, it is still going to seep into what you do. So I, I turn people towards um, resources like uh, John Taylor Gatto, you know, G-A-T-T-O, uh, anything he ever wrote. He passed away a couple of years ago, but anything he ever wrote. Uh, gives you more of a background. He's far more eloquent than I am and more articulate about the system that we operate in, the the why, uh, how it came over, what was the intent behind the system in general. So I, I encourage them to dive into things like that, to John Holt, to Ivan Ilyich, some of these uh, forefathers of real education so that they understand what that looks like simultaneously. Uh, as they're doing that, because then they'll start, they'll stop with the, okay, well, you have to have a teacher teaching certain subjects. So you can understand how to integrate education into life. So then we start taking a look at other people in their general area, in their community that may want to band together. So we've got mm -hmm. a lot of single, uh, single parents who are banding together with other single parents, and then they're adjusting work schedules. Mm -hmm. So today I can stay home and I've got these heroes tomorrow. You know, I've got to go to work, but you're going to stay home, right? And so we're creating all of these small pods all over the place. And what you're seeing is you're actually seeing a lot of churches that are now stepping up and opening up their doors uh, during the day so that they yeah. can have these pods there in the churches as well. So the churches, I think, will play a large role uh, in providing a space for a lot of these options to happen. So what we need is to get back to small community. We need to get back to community where people are going, how yes. do I help you? How can you help me? Right. And if we can get back to that, where we're covering each other, then we can get a little bit of breathing room and start to take a look at, okay, what does it mean to actually educate now? And, yes. and how do we do that for our single parents? That is the way to go, you know, and if you've got other resources and you can go to some of these schools that cost great, man, go get it. If you can just home educate, you know, we've got programs to show you how to like, all of that is great, but those are, that's where my heart goes to, or like those single moms. Um, so we find a community. I'll tell you who else, it's not just the, the, the churches, gyms, mm. jujitsu gyms mm -hmm. and CrossFit gyms. Hmm. Those are areas where because they utilize those gyms a lot of times for early morning classes or evening classes. And a lot of times that space is open during the so day. True. 
Yeah. And so we are going to them and we are partnering with many of them. So they're leaving that open during the day and somebody within that jujitsu community, you know, again, they're taking turns. I'll be here so that the kids can come and then we can focus on real education, right? There's a lot of different ways that we can do this, but just like that hole in the wall, you know, experiment, what's missing is the desire. We just need to re relight that desire and people to do that. There's so many solutions. That's amazing. And it's it's just true. And it gets gets back, back to the heart of it is just creating that that sense of community again. Yes, that unfortunately yes, um it's it's been lost in a lot of places. And I think for us even as a country, when you take take a step back farther and mm. the the lack of a unifying sense of sense of principles and values yeah. and identity of, of what does it mean to be an American. You know, what, what What do we stand for, regardless of political party or status or education or skin color, religion, ethnic, like all of the things. That's right. That's Who right. Are we? When, you, when you have that conversation with most people, too, you'll find most people are in line with that kind of thing. We can find more things that we're going to agree on than disagree. Absolutely. We're just taught to take it from the stance of what do you disagree with? Yeah. And that's automatically your enemy, right. you know, and and. Gosh, it's the worst. Like we were, um, I was in a car, Dave Rubin, mm -hmm. uh, and I did an event together a couple of years ago and we were in a car and we were driving and we were just laughing at all of the differences we had. He's like, man, I'm a gay, you know, I'm a gay Jew, you know? And he's like, <laughs> like we just started listing all yeah. of these differences, but we go, man, but look at all the things we agree on. Look at all the places. And like, that's what we come together around, right? At the end of the day, you probably don't agree on 100% of things 100% of the time with your husband. My wife and I don't. No. Uh, most things, yes. But are there some things we disagree on? Of course. So what do you just close up shop? Yeah. No, you figure out a way to make it work. And that's true with the majority of people. We need to get back to talking about where we unify. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And, and understanding that it's the most important things that unify yeah. us. Yes, ma'am. It's the most important things. Yes, ma'am. It's um I think I think this is I think this is the perfect note to to close our conversation with because it is the most important. Uh there are a lot of challenges that we face as people in this country, undoubtedly. Uh we will have different ideas on how to tackle those challenges, on how to solve those problems. Mm -hmm. But the precursor to all of that is most, 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 most importantly, is recognizing that we're all God's children. We're all connected. Yeah, that's right. We're all family in that sense. We treat each other with respect. Then, yes, as Americans, what is it that we stand for as a country? Uh, what are the principles that those young founders, those, those yes. the now considered millennials, yes. those young founders right. put down in paper about our God-given rights and freedoms enshrined in our constitution. And what does that actually mean in practice in our everyday lives? And we stand together on, on these grounds, on these common grounds, then it's nothing but opportunity and it's that lies ahead for us. That's right. And then we won't need a department of anything. Right. <laughs> we'll have unified, we'll have unified around those principles. Yeah. That's it. And it starts, you know, and it starts at home. It starts it with the individuals. Truly. It starts with the individual nuclear family. It starts with leading right there, finding that unity right there, 
and then going and spreading that in the community. And that's exactly what we're hoping to do. And it's exactly what I think you do with so much of your work too. So I thank you for that. Thank you. And thank you. Else. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I, I just, am, I'm fascinated by the way that you're, you're tackling this and, and the way that you're communicating both the problem and the solution when it comes to, to school versus education. And obviously how we are able to talk about these problems, uh, mm -hmm. it matters. It matters, especially when taking on your your comparison of the Department of Education with the Vatican. I think was very uh, from an institutional perspective. From an institutional perspective, <laughs> it's yes, ma'am. Pretty, um, uh, it's a pretty stark uh, comparison. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, for better or for worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time, Matt. Uh, let people know where they can find out more about you and, and the work that you're doing. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I'm always willing to help people one-on-one -on -one and I mean that. And anybody that sends me, you know, DMs or messages, they'll attest to that. So shoot me an email. It's just Matt at Apogee Strong, A-P-O-G-E-E Strong.com. If I can help in any way, please uh, allow me to do that. Check out what we're doing at apogeestrong.com. Check out what Tim and I are doing through the Apogee Strong Foundation. Any of those places are great to get information, but I encourage people email me directly. Um, I will help you and it doesn't have anything to do with us. I'll just help you for you because again, education is personal. Boom. Powerful. You're awesome. You are awesome. <laughs> You're awesome, my friend. So much fun, man. So much fun. Oh, this is my, my wife says, uh, She's like, oh, you're not going to sleep tonight, huh? I said, no, I don't think so. <laughs> we have any of these conversations at night, man. This is just, uh, this is my, this is my heart. So thank yeah. you for shining, uh, shining so much light on this. You know, thank it's an you. important thing, man. Well, you, you're, um, you're a brave person. You're a strong person, yeah. clearly, and uh, firm, firmly rooted in in your own foundation, and that that really comes through. Um, I look forward to. Uh, the, the Tucker thing didn't obviously work out this last time. Oh, it was a little, little bit of a, a different thing, but I'll, I'll continue to look for opportunities just to highlight the work you're doing in your message because more people need Anytime. to hear it. Anytime. No, I appreciate that greatly. Um, and then, you know, like I was telling you, uh, with John and I on the Warrior Poet Society, yeah. uh, with the symposium, you know, we've got uh, a number of, of conversations we want to have this year. And and Dave Rubin already said he would love to jump in when you were there too. Cool. Um, Brian Callen said he'd love to jump oh, in. Oh, awesome. You were there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tim, Tim was like, oh my gosh, I love Tulsa, you know, yeah. so um you know we'll we'll have to all make it work and maybe They're just get a great. round table of a bunch of knuckleheads and, yeah. and, a, and a bunch of knuckleheads and a, you know and a, a nice lady so yeah, there be, you go that'll, that'll be great <laughs> yeah. man so no i look forward i to saw it. Uh, cam haynes you know cam haynes just started yeah, his podcast yeah. and their little teaser it cracked me up i didn't know they were doing this but they're like oh we should get jocko we should get this person we should get that person cam was like you know this is a lot of toxic masculinity we should have tulsi we should have tulsi come that's awesome man. that's awesome it's so red i'll tell you you're name yeah. comes up more than more than anybody when tim because tim and i the question we get the most is you know because we've got the young men's we got the dad's program sure. now um and we've got men all over the all over the world in this and the question that comes up most is well when are you going to have something for the ladies absolutely um, and we're all for it but we also know that tim and i are not 
A lady, ladies, a lady, and didn't grow up as ladies, uh, and that just looks a little different. Nor will you ever nope. identify as ladies. Nor will we ever. That's exactly it. And people understand that when we tell it, like, oh, oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, but they're like, well, what about Tulsi? No offense, Matt, but just the visual right. picture of you and Tim Kennedy as like ladies is not. It's not pretty. I'm not gonna lie, it's, it's not pretty. It's not. It's not pretty. Even Tim and I, even Tim and I, as half undressed men after a workout, is pretty. So never mind putting us in a dress. So yeah, um, but your name is the one that comes up quite often um, as, as the one to spearhead that. So it's just a testament to who you are and, oh, and you. the character that people see. So. Thank you. Well, I, yep. uh, yeah, I look forward to, to many more awesome things with you and, and the crew. You. I just talked to Dave Rubin this morning for his show. <laughs> and, uh, I was on a conference call with Dave Callen two days or Brian Callen two days ago. And cool. so our circles are very much yeah, very intertwined. Much, yeah. yeah. Some great guys right there. That's <laughs> truly, awesome. Truly. Well, uh, thank anytime, you. 24 seven, just let me know. Thank you. Likewise. How, yeah, please man. do try to get some sleep. <laughs> Yes, ma'am. I'll give it a shot. All right. Thank <laughs> you. Right, Bye. See you. Aloha. Hello, everyone. This is Tulsi here. Thanks so much for taking the time to join me here on the show. If you would like to support this show and the content that we're creating as we take a stand for freedom and speak truth and speak with some common sense during these insane times, please visit TulsiGabbard.com and click on the support button. Uh, the only way that we're able to produce this show is through support from listeners and viewers just like you. Again, visit TulsiGabbard.com and click support. Aloha. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.